Glad you guys are here today. And, uh, and let's just go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing here on the rest of this time as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to get together to worship and to uh, learn about who you are and to uh, discover uh, all about uh, some of the different types of psalms that are written there. It's been called sometimes the songbook of God, sometimes the prayer journal of David. And so, Lord, we just pray that you'd help us this morning as we dig into it uh, to see how it applies to our lives and to trust you for all the truths that we're going to discover. Help us to trust you and act on them. We also, Lord, want to pray at this time, too, for those in our church family who who, uh, are sick, they're ill. Uh, We just pray that your healing hand will be upon them. We ask and pray that you would uh, just touch them and uh, that that they might be healed. And also, Father, we just pray for those who are struggling right now, just even maybe emotionally, maybe they're having a hard time uh, with uh, maybe suffering the loss of a job. We pray, Lord, that you'd help them find a good job and to also just to strengthen their faith, maybe as they're going through a difficult time. And Lord, we also want to pray that you'd help us as members of this church to know how we might be your hands and feet to help in each of these situations we're praying about. And Lord, we just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so listen, this morning we are starting a brand new series uh, as we're going to go through some different psalms. And uh, actually, next week, you'll have a real treat. Luke uh, Miller is going to preach, and he's going to actually preach a couple of these psalms. Uh, and so you know, that'll be a real treat, too, Just and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it myself. So, um, But we'll be doing different types of psalms. There are different categories of psalms. There's psalms of praise, psalms of thanksgiving, psalms of lament. Um, there's also a category of songs. This might be a good homework assignment for you. Find out what an imprecatory psalm is, all right? All right, so an imprecatory psalm is like, uh, well, you just find out. I want you to find out. I'm going I'm to ask somebody next week, okay? Because uh, next week actually is our graduation Sunday. Am I right, John? 23rd, because I'm looking over here because uh, uh, Beverly's graduating, their daughter. So uh, we're going to honor her and pray for her and hear what she's doing as well. Um, but so since I'm not preaching, though, but I'm still going to ask the question, What's an imprecatory psalm, okay? Um, so anyway, you didn't know you were going to get homework today, did you? All right, so that means you guys are going to have to come back so you can be asked a question. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he can just interact online with Linda or something. He can figure that out. All right, listen, um, so today we're on Psalm 62, all right? And as Charlie said, it has a theme of kind of waiting and trusting God. And something that... Um, I, I feel that we never learn fully. <laughs> We're always needing to be reminded to trust God alone. And so, uh, as, as is the habit of our church sometimes, uh, we're going to read this aloud together. And again, if you're able to, you don't, you don't have to, but if you're able to, why don't you stand in honor of the Word of God as we read this. We're going to read this aloud together. It's 12 verses, and you can just read along with me. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. Come on. Here we go. There we go. 
They only, it was, it was delaying for me, all right? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse, Selah. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock. My refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. But no trust, put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken... Twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. This is God's word. Please have a seat. I think it would be helpful if we talk first about what's the situation that David is writing the psalm about. Because a lot of times when you read the Psalms, uh, in the headings at times, it'll give you a hint. Uh, like I'm pretty sure the Psalm that uh, Luke is preaching next week, Psalm 51, uh, actually has a heading and it gives you a hint as to what might the specific situation be that David was writing about, okay? Um, this, we don't know the specific situation, but we can read some of these verses that hint like what some of the troubles were, Right? So, for example, if you look uh, in verses 3 and 4 of this same psalm, uh, and just to remind you here, verse 3, it says, How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? You'll notice in this psalm, David addresses like several different ways. He'll say, he'll speak to his soul, like soul talk. Now, he's not crazy. It's not crazy to talk to your soul. David did it. and so he talks to his soul, and then he says, also he talks to the people who are attacking him, and that's what he's doing in verses 3 and 4. He's addressing them, and he's saying, how long will you attack a man, meaning him, to batter him, like a leaning wall, tottering fence? Now, that could mean David finds himself in a very weakened state, uh, whether it be the city he's in, he's holed up in, maybe it's in a weakened state militarily, or maybe just he himself is this feeling vulnerable, you know? And, and he's saying, you know, how long will you attack me? I'm about ready to fall over, you know, that the tottering fence type of thing. So that's a possibility. But there are certainly people who are attacking him. Then verse 4, it says, they only plan to thrust him down from his high position. Well, David's king, right? David is king, and so his throne is being threatened. Uh, many times we will read some of the historical accounts in the Old Testament of some of David's own children trying to dethrone him and take him off the throne. And so when he talks about this, uh, they plan to thrust him down from his high position, I would just presume that he's saying his, his throne is being threatened, right? And so it says they take pleasure in falsehood. They're speaking lies about him. They're speaking lies about him. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Well, you know, how people do sometimes, they tell you one thing to your face and another thing behind your back. This was happening to him as well. 
And so these are some of the troubles in which he finds himself that he's writing, if you will, if we can use this phrase, in his prayer journal, the Psalms here. He's writing this out. He's speaking to God. He's speaking to his soul. He's speaking to these people who are attacking to him, attacking him. And so that's the situation he's in. Now, what about the message, though, the message that he has for us? And I think it's pretty clear from the passage, he's saying, you know what? You need to trust God alone. That's it. And when you're reading your Bible, a simple way to kind of pick up on what the emphasis is, is what's repeated, right? If there's something repeated, that's typically the author's emphasis. So here you'll notice in verses 1 and 2 and 5 and 6, the, word, the phrase God alone or only God is mentioned four times. So just to refresh your memory here, verse 1, for God alone, my soul waits in silence, right? And then in verse 2, he alone is my rock, right? Verse 5, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. And then it says in verse 6, he only is my rock and my salvation. And so pretty clear he's saying, you know what? Trust in God alone, uh, that's the message. And so now you could, like I said, you could, you could kind of say, well, Greg, we got this one, you know, on the day we got saved. We knew we were supposed to trust God, that we put our faith in him for our forgiveness of our sins. But we're supposed to continue to trust God for all of our lives and for all of our situations, right? And so, and as I mentioned earlier, I feel this is something that when the circumstances come bearing down in our lives, you know, we may not be a king, our lives might not be threatened, but the circumstances threaten us in such a way that we get so focused on the circumstances and not on God, right, and not coming to him, not uh, coming to him and trusting in him for the situation, okay? Now, this doesn't mean that we're not supposed to do anything. Uh, you know, waiting on God, by the way, doesn't mean you don't necessarily just, you just don't do anything. Um, oftentimes, the Lord will prompt you to do some things, but many things, though, we don't have any control over, right? We don't have control on how people respond to us. We don't have, you know, control over all kinds of things, and so um, regardless of what actions we take, we need to trust God uh, alone and nothing else. We saw some hints in this Psalm 2 about trusting in money, right? We're not to trust in finances. Uh, he mentions like ill-gotten gain, uh, you know, getting things through robbery or extortion or things like that. But he also just mentions that, you know, we should not trust in money, and, uh, you know, if you have any money invested anywhere, whether it's a retirement account or just anything that, that earns some kind of interest and, and is based on a stock market or something like that, you've probably lost some money, right? And, and uh, you know, one day the stock market could be up, the next it could be down. This depends on what you've invested in. And, and literally, you have no control over how that market goes. And so if you're putting your hope in your money, one day you might be sorely disappointed because you just don't know what's going to happen. You know, ask all of the, um, you know, the um, dot-com, you know, the, when, the, when the stock kind of fell out on that stuff years ago. And then in 2008, in the banking crisis, right, it just, you just don't know. <clears throat> you don't know what's going to happen with that. So you don't want to put your trust in that. Certainly, it's good to save money. It's, I think it's a 
actually even a wise thing to invest money, let it grow for you. I tell my students about that all the time. In fact, I usually run a scenario that Dave Ramsey has on his website about investing a certain amount of money every month when you're like in your um, late teens or early 20s. And if you earn a certain rate of interest, which is, I would say, it was kind of high, but I suppose at that point, you're really not concerned about being conservative with your investment. Uh, You could be a millionaire by the time you're time ready to retire, right? So I'm all for that. Like just, it's good to let your money work for you, but we can't put our hope in that, right? We can't necessarily even put our hope in people either. Um, David's not telling us to distrust each other all the time, but I think what he's saying is we're not going to put our hope in in man, right? Uh, We're just not going to put our hope lock, stock, and barrel in man, in people. Uh, They will disappoint us. Uh, because we are human and we're sinful, we'll hurt each other, we'll disappoint each other, sometimes break promises to one another. Those things are going to happen. And so in, in that sense, we're, we will not put our hope fully uh, in a person like we would God. Does that make sense? And so he's, he's urging us to trust God. Now, in Jeremiah 17, verse 7, it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And it says, whose trust is the Lord? A couple things I want to mention about that. We're going to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about three blessings I see in this Psalm 62 that we receive from trusting in God alone. But I want to mention the latter part of this verse. It says, whose trust is the Lord? Isn't that an interesting way to say it? It's, and what I, one of my takeaways from that verse is that he's saying, you know what, don't trust in getting, uh, in a sense, in, in God doing something for you. Like you're looking for a certain outcome from him. It's good to pray for things. We, we pray for things all the time, our needs, for wisdom, for guidance, for, for healing, for this, for that. But you should never... I don't think it's ever a healthy thing to put your total hope in a certain outcome, okay? You need to put your whole hope in God himself so that regardless of the outcomes, the things that are going on in our lives, the things we're praying for, they happen, they don't happen, God answers, he says yes, no, maybe, whatever. Um, what we need to do, though, is to put our hope in the God, who, our God who is reigning and ruling and who knows what's best, okay? That's going to be, you're going to be in a much healthier place if you do that. I know some people uh, who have shipwrecked their faith because they thought that when they came to Christ that their life was just going to be, you know, a bed of roses, that they weren't going to encounter any difficulty, that, you know, I think they were kind of sold a certain brand uh, that just is not true to the scriptures and to life, because we are going to have difficulty. Uh, Jesus Himself said, "You know that that's going to happen. We will suffer in this life. We will have difficulty, and that's because we live in a sin-filled world, right?" And so, but anyway, so you want to put your hope in God Himself. So you want to spend your time getting to know God, knowing that He's trustworthy, knowing He has your best in mind, but. But So I think it's important for us to realize that trusting in God alone is what we're being called to do here in this psalm. And let's take a look at some of these blessings, three blessings of trusting God in God alone. 
If you trust in God alone, uh, one of the things that's mentioned in this psalm that will be a blessing to you is that your life will have a firm foundation. Your life will be on solid ground, okay? And uh, we see this in verses 5 to 7 of Psalm 62. So take a look here. Verse 5 says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. You see these words? He's my rock, right? I shall not be shaken. And then he says, On God rests my salvation my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. All of these words, you know, my rock, my salvation, my refuge, I shall not be shaken, are all indicators that a huge blessing of trusting God alone is he can't be trusted, he will not disappoint you, uh, and your life will be on steady ground, even though circumstantially things might just, you know, be in the crapper. You know, it just might be all just going, going to pot, like from the world standpoint, from our experience even. But if we know uh, the God of the Bible here, if we have a personal relationship with him through Jesus Christ, and we put our trust in him alone, then we can be on solid ground. Jesus himself uh, spoke about this, spoke about uh, having a life that's built on solid ground. He mentions this in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 which is in one of his, uh, you know, the longest recorded sermon in the Bible, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And so uh, this would be on the tail end of that. He says, everyone then, so this is Jesus speaking, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now notice it says he hears them and does them. Here's them and does. There's a lot of people that know a lot of Bible stuff. You know, they could win the win the Bible bowl quiz, you know, whatever. But but that doesn't mean anything. This means you can regurgitate information. You're like you're you're a good Jeopardy Bible person. Okay? Now, information's important because then we know, we learn about God, his ways, his will for our lives, but it's what we do with that, right? What we do with that is transformational. And this is what Jesus is getting at. He's saying, everyone who hears these words and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. We're talking about a firm foundation, right? Next verse, he says, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And so, you know, the first and and, and most important foundational thing that anybody can have in their life is to have a genuine relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's where it starts, right? Putting your faith in Jesus uh, for the forgiveness of your sins, recognizing you need a Savior because you, like the rest of the human race, are a sinner in need of a Savior and that Jesus is the one and only. And that's where it starts. That's where the foundation is built, on Jesus Christ, having a relationship with God through him. And then, right, learning uh, the ways of God from the Scriptures and putting them into practice by His grace and mercy because we will still fall short. We still will stumble and fall even though we know what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to love our spouse or, or treat so-and-so. You know, we just, 
we, we fall short, and, and God knows that, and that's why we need a Savior, right? But, uh, and that happens even after coming to Christ and having a relationship with God. But that's the first, that's the foundation. It needs your foundation. If you want to have a, a, a life that's going to stand um, through life circumstances and not be shaken like David's talking about, you need to have a, a genuine relationship with God by putting your faith in Christ alone for your forgiveness of sins, okay? And so Jesus is simply saying, you hear the words I'm saying, you put them into practice, you're going to be living a life on the solid foundation. And even when life storms come, you will, by the grace of God, stand, okay? But then he says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, he says, uh, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So you get the flip side of someone who heard the same words but did not act on them, right? And that's the difference, right? Because a lot of people sit in churches all their lives and hear all the words but uh, never end up having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ or if they do, they leave it there and, and, don't, and don't then live out the life that God calls them to of obedience and faith um, and, and life on mission for God, okay? So uh, Jesus is saying, if you don't put these things into practice he's talking about, uh, you will not be having a life on solid ground. So relationship with God through Jesus Christ is foundational. Upon that then, if we want to have a solid foundation uh, in our lives, we need to take in the Word of God, right? We, Jesus says, if you hear these words of mine, well, how are you going to know what they are if we don't read what the Bible says, right? Um, and not just read it, but ask God to speak to us um, through His Holy Spirit, because, you know, that same Holy Spirit that's in every believer also inspired all the, the biblical writers to write what they wrote, right? So think about that. It's almost like, the, the, uh, the author behind the author living inside of you. I mean, uh, what better thing could you have, right? So, so we need to be in the Word of God and, uh, so, so that we can uh, build our lives on a solid foundation, right? You want to know how to have a good marriage? It's in the Bible, right? You want to know how to have great relationships with people? It's in the Bible. It talks about how, to, how we should relate to each other. How do we, uh, you know, how do we, uh, you know, because... There's lots in there about, you know, forgiveness and confession and repentance because God knows that's, that's our lives, <laughs> if we're honest, right? Uh, you know, if you're married to somebody or you've got a roommate or something like that, you're going to be living a life of, uh, of repentance and confession if you're being real because you're hurting each other, you're saying things that you didn't mean to say, and, you know, then you need to ask for forgiveness and repent and turn from that and, and then be restored. That's just, that's life, Right? Um, that's, that's healthy life. That's going to happen, okay? So, but one of the things also that God has given to the, given to the church for believers to help uh, build that foundation is he said here in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, <clears throat> excuse me, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Then he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he's kind of saying God's given some gifts to the church, and he's focusing on primarily kind of the speaking gifts um, of like teaching and the the shepherd teacher or uh, those gifts he mentions for the building up of the body so that we'll grow up in our faith, right? And then he says there's a goal for that. He says it not only helps us maintain unity if we're on the same page biblically, but he says the reason for those gifts too is so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You know, it's you, you have to be solid on what God says, right? Know what the truth is so that you can sniff out the counterfeits, right? And that's used to be how they trained tellers, right? Uh, as far as what I read was that they want them to feel the real bills so that when they feel a fake one, they know it. So you need to study the truth, the Word of God, so that if some false teaching starts to filter in, you'll spot it. Uh, sometimes you even say, I don't even know exactly what it is about that, but that doesn't seem like that jives with Scripture to me, right? But you, again, you won't be that at that place and be able to do that unless you know what the truth is. And whether it's through your own Bible intake or whether it's through, you know, in addition to coming to what we're doing right here is just uh, hearing the Word of God talked about and explained, right? That's, that's an important part because as we do that and we put it into practice, we mature in our faith. And as we mature our faith, we protect ourselves from false teaching, okay? Um, I mean, you know, YouTube and everything, I, I, I like YouTube. I use it all the time. But it's the Wild West as far as Bible teaching goes, you know? I mean, there's all kinds of junk on there that, that people are just all kinds of false teaching, making all kinds of false promises. There's some good things, too. I mean, right now, people are watching on YouTube, right? But... There's good things, but there's also bad things. And you've got to know how to sniff out the bad stuff or you'll be led astray. You'll be led astray, okay? So um, this is one of the blessings of, of putting your trust in God alone is that uh, you will have a solid foundation. When all's crumbling all around, I'm not saying you won't be nervous. I'm not saying that you won't have difficulties. But again, you'll stand the test by God's grace. Because you'll know the truth, you'll hang on to God's promises, right? And, and uh, you'll stand the test. Now, a second blessing here is that when you uh, put your trust in God alone, those around you will be encouraged and challenged to do the same thing. Um, I don't know about you, but there are some people uh, that when you're around them, they inspire your faith, they encourage your faith, they strengthen your faith. Um, and, and you probably do with them as well. And, and we need to uh, have that going on. This is why, you know, we're not supposed to live our lives isolated from one another, but to be with each other. That's what one of the purposes of the church is, right, for mutual encouragement and, and, and faith building, right? So one of the, the uh, excuse me, passages I wanted to take a look at in this regard, it's not up on the screen, but I would like you to turn there, or if you have a device, take a look at Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> so I'll read it for you as well. But Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. 
So Romans 1, verses 11 and 12. And this is in the opening part uh, of Paul writing this letter to the Romans. Okay, so Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. And like most letters, like you and I, we kind of we enter, we kind of have some opening remarks, and then you kind of get into the meat, right? Well, where we're coming in at is kind of the opening part of the letter. And in verse eleven, he says, "For I, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you." And that, now he's going to explain what he means by that. He says, "That is, this is verse twelve. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged." By each other's faith, both mine and yours. So this is the apostle talking. He says, I want to be encouraged by your faith, just as you'll be encouraged by my faith. He wanted to see them. He wanted to actually be with them so that, for, for many reasons, but one, he's exclaiming here that, he goes, I want to be with you so that we can mutually encourage one another's faith. Okay? And when you tell your stories of trusting God in your situations through the valleys and up on the mountaintops, because we're all going to have those. We're going to have both of those. When you share your stories with each other, it encourages one another's faith, okay? Me knowing that you made it through this particular situation and you trusted God there, he, he came through, he helped you in a certain way, or just helped you endure, whatever it was, okay, would encourage my faith. So that when I encounter situations that are going to test that trust in me, I'll be thinking back to the different situations where God was faithful. Okay? And that's, <clears throat> that's what I mean. Now, where am I getting this in Psalm 62? Well, in Psalm 62, verse 8, <clears throat> he says, David says, Trust in him at all times, O people, <laughs> y'all, okay, or whatever. Okay? He, it's like he's talking to his people. You know, uh, he's talking to the people of God. He's saying, trust in him at all times, people of God. I'm doing that. I don't think he's boasting by saying this. I'm doing that. I'm trusting in him alone. You need to, too. Okay? That's what he's doing. And that is one of the blessings of when you and I, when we put our trust in God alone, the other people around you are going to be blessed, too, because their faith will be strengthened. You, so oftentimes we just don't think about that. We're all about what's going on in our little circle, our three-foot circle of ourselves here, okay? But our faith um, impacts those around us, you know, put, you know, in the church family, for good or for bad. It, it affects. We have an effect. We, we have an influence on each other. Uh, and so you, you, you may think you're isolated, but if you have any contact and... and, and uh, whether it's in a small group or just being here on a regular basis, your faith has an impact. How your walk with God is. Okay? So think about that. And David was trying to encourage and to strengthen the faith of those who were with him uh, in, in his congregation, if you will, his folks. Um, also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, is a good word on this topic here of just encouraging one another's faith. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Okay, and it's in verse uh, 14. 
Again, the Apostle Paul writes to these believers and he says, in verse 14, 1 Thess 5, he says, and we urge you, brothers, and he has several little commands. First one, he says, admonish the idle. In other words, uh, the slackers. The slackers, they need need a little kick in the pants to get going. Stop coasting, okay? And then he says, encourage the faint-hearted those who are on the verge of giving up and following Jesus. They need encouragement. And when I think of this mutually encouraging one another's faith, I think of those folks. Sometimes you don't know who those folks are. Those folks might be sitting right next to you right now, right? Putting on a good face um, because that's what good Christians do, you know. They don't take off their masks. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just being a stinker right now, but, you know, we should be real with each other, and that takes time, and I get all that. But, but you know, I'm just saying, uh, at any given time, on any given Sunday, there might be somebody thinking of throwing in the towel and stop following Jesus. And we need to, you need, again, you need to see we are connected. Our faith influences one another. And you need to, um, that's one of the great things, too, about not just running out the door when service is over. Now, by the way, if you have to do that today, I'm not judging you, okay? Sometimes you just have to go, okay? I get it. But, but, but it's because then you can actually interact with people that aren't in your small group, or, or maybe if you're not in a small group, you get to know each other a little bit here. I know it's not like, you know, if you have one another for dinner or have a coffee and spend some more time, which I hope happens, but, but you, 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 you can pick up on some of these things, you know, and you can ask uh, when you start to get to know somebody. You can say, you know, how are you doing, you know? Um, if, if, you're, if you follow up on maybe something they shared with you about such and such happening in their life. And sometimes it's always good to ask that extra question. Really? Is that how it's going? Is it really going good? I mean, that's okay if it is. It's great if it is. Praise the Lord. But you could be real with me. I, you know, you could say I could take it, you know? Um, and sometimes it's asking an extra question would be a great encouragement to somebody and maybe help them not throw in the towel, okay? So your faith, we need to mutually, mutually encourage one another's faith. And those uh, who are around us uh, will be encouraged and challenged to do the same if, we're, if we are also trusting in God alone. That's what it's about, right? We're talking about trusting in God alone. And if we do so, those around us will be encouraged and challenged to do that. Now, third final thing here, one of the blessings of trusting God alone, is that your prayer life is going to be deepened while you're waiting. Um, And remember, this psalm opened up with David saying uh, something about waiting. Didn't he say, he says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. He's kind of waiting for God to do something with the situation. He's trusting, he's waiting, right? Um, Now, where am I getting this idea of the prayer life being deepened in Psalm 62? Well, again, in verse 8, he says, trust, again, he says, trust in him in all times, O people. And then he says, pour out your heart before him. Pour out your heart before him. Um, you know, this, this type of thing might be new to you. Or maybe you just are good at verbally vomiting on God. You know, where you just kind of, there it is, God. Here's what's going on in my heart. You know, and he could take it. He, uh, you know, you just, you just tell God, you just t- you're just talking to him. 
you don't, and by the way, you don't, it's just not a special type of language do you need to use. Yeah, you, you speak respectfully or reverently, but, you know, you, you, you're talking to God like you're talking to a person, right? Uh, although you can't see him, and you're just telling him uh, what's on your heart. You tell him your, your problems, and uh, it's the best therapist you'll ever, you'll ever see. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with uh, seeing a Christian counselor or something like that to get help. Uh, there are gifted people out there that can help people. That's not the issue. But I'm saying, at the very least, the Lord God is your counselor, okay? And when you're going through the, the, the stuff and it, you're in the grind of life and you're, you're feeling kind of like what David was in, in the, you know, may, they may not be people enemies, but you feel like everything's just coming down, man. And you pour out your heart to God. You tell him how you're feeling and you make your request known to him. You just tell him what you need. That's pouring out your heart. Take a look in uh, Psalm 77, another psalm of David. I just want to look at the very beginning. That you'll see that there's a, David does this a lot. That's why I said, you know, we're calling this, uh, this series uh, David's Prayer Journal because so many of the psalms are prayers to God. Many of them, again, were sung also as songs. But Psalm 77, verse 1, listen to this. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. When's the last time you talked to God out loud? I'm not asking you to answer that. I'm just saying, think about that. Do you talk out loud to God? Some people, they're just all up in here. I get lost up there. Okay, and that's okay. I'm, silent prayer is fine. I'm, but I'm just saying, I think there is uh, something um, healthy talking to God out loud. Um, I used to live um, in an off-campus housing with, I don't know how many of the guys who were living there at that time. I think 10 maybe. Rent was great. It was very cheap. You split up 10 ways. Um, but you could imagine also that it was like a pigsty um, with, with 10 guys living there. But uh, I learned to pray in that house. I learned to pray in that house because we would have the meetings, the, some of our uh, home church meetings at our house. There would be 40 or 50 students packed into a living room there for communion. We broke bread, as we called it, like that. We didn't do it on Sunday morning. We did it in our homes. And when I first became a Christian, and I'm hearing these people talk to God, just like he was their best friend, I'm like, wow, I want to I know what that's like. I want to, and it wasn't like I just wanted to be able to pray like they could pray, to say, well, I could pray like that, man, I'm, I'm up there in the stratosphere, you know, but no, no, it was kind of like I just, I wanted what they had, I want, and I knew that, the, that their prayer life was linked to their mature walk with God. And so I learned to pray by listening to them pray. I really did. I, I, you know, I, I, I learned to pray by listening to the person. And then eventually, because it's kind of intimidating when you're in a room with 40 or 50 people. And uh, first of all, it's hard to get a word in edgewise when you got a lot of people who love to pray. So you got to kind of jump right in there, you know. Uh, and, and so then you're, I, I uttered my first prayer out there. And... Uh, 
And, and I just felt like that was, that was a place where God was working on me, as well as in my own time with God, isolate, you know, from everybody else. Uh, but just praying out loud. I just want to encourage you, pray out loud to God. You know, you might want to tell your spouse or roommate you're doing that so that they're not going to call the squad, okay? Because you're talking out loud and there's nobody there, right? But I'm just saying, just try that. Um, I think, again, there's nothing like magical about that, but I'm saying I think it helps me. It helps me focus, by the way. Maybe I'm just so easily distracted when I'm just praying silently. And so it helps me stay focused and on track. Um, but I, I feel like I'm able to express myself because it's like I'm ta- I am talking to another person. I just can't see them. So um, David here, he's talking about, he's telling the people of God, pour out your heart before him. Talk to God. Right? And that's as he's saying, if you're trusting in God alone, which is what we're talking about, you're going to be talking to God. <laughs> you're going to be talking to God a lot, frankly. <laughs> right? If you're trusting in him alone, there's going to be all kinds of things come out through the circumstances of your day that you will need to lay before God and cry out to him for, uh, you know. And, and uh, so I, I really think um, I would encourage you to spend some time with the Lord and, and talking out loud with him. Start talking to him about what's going on in your life if you don't do that. It may seem strange to you at first if you've never done this. Um, and, uh, or some people just say, well, I'm just not a good prayer. Well, I'm just saying it's because you haven't done it that much. You know, uh, that's probably a good indicator. But, but if you're telling your God what's in your heart, it's not a bad prayer, <laughs> okay? It's just, you might think it's not or whatever, but uh, I, I just want to encourage you to do that. And by the way, getting back to, you know, praying in a group, um, I encourage you, uh, come to our monthly prayer times. We have a monthly prayer time. Um, uh, it's the second Thursday of the month. We just had one this last Thursday. And come and pray and, and hear others pray. It, their prayers encourage me, all right? It, it's, uh, it, it, is, uh, it is a really, you know, historically probably in the church, or capital C, it's probably the smallest attended meeting, least attended meeting in, in, of all. But uh, I, I would love to see that change here if we could, we could bust that curve. Um, not because we care about the numbers, but because if you see that as a very, uh, uh, a meeting that is actually accomplishing something, right, uh, for the church, but also for you in your walk with God. So, so these, these three things basically is what I see. I'm sure there's probably more there if you... You pray and kind of mine the scriptures a little bit. But, but, you know, our life, if we put our full trust in God alone in our situations, it's, we're going to be on solid ground. We live a life like that, regardless of what's going on, a firm foundation. Second thing, if you and I trust God alone, we live a life like that, we will be mutually encouraging one another's faith. And we need that. And the last thing is, it's going to help you go deeper in your prayer life. Because if you are trusting God alone, you'll be calling out to him. You'll be dialing his number all the time, okay? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your um, Holy Spirit is in each and every believer. And I think about in Romans 8 where it talks about how the Spirit within us cries out to our Heavenly Father saying, Abba, Father, or Daddy, because uh, 
the spirit within us just wants to connect with God the Father. Help us, Lord, to grow in our personal prayer life. Uh, help us to put us in places where we're going to be praying with others and, and, and hearing their prayers as well as joining in with ours uh, so that we might grow in a deeper walk with you. And Father, help us to be like the ones that Jesus said would live, uh, would have a life on a solid foundation, and that is those who not only hear the word, but who put it in to practice. And Father, we just pray that you would help us to live these words out today, help us to uh, grow in, uh, in learning what it means to relate to you here in our prayers and in trusting you alone. Lord, if anybody here today is struggling in their faith, and feeling like throwing in the towel, Lord, we just pray that you'd help us to minister to them. Uh, I pray if that's you, that you'd reach out to a friend and say, I need your help. Uh, and, then, and then we can, can pray together um, and support each other. And so, Lord, just we, we ask for your help here in Jesus' name. Amen.